everybody. Welcome back to the Couch Wolves podcast. Um, I'm pretty excited about the format today because I have a co-host. Regina is my co-host, which I'm so proud to have today. She's awesome. I can't wait to hear sort of where she takes the conversation because I'll be honest, I love our guests, but I'm kind of getting lonely here trying to think of all the questions myself. Um, just to also be aware, I'm not in my office, so you shouldn't enjoy the screaming parrot as much as usual. However, there is snow falling off my roof, so you may be serenaded by the barking Tibetan mastiff trying to figure out why there's pounding happening on the roof and on the side of the house. So just be aware, there might be some entertaining background noises. And but isn't your singing dog next to you? He is. Dog. He's sleepy. He's a, he's a New Guinea sleeping dog right now. <laughs> so I don't think we'll get much serenading from him. Um, thank goodness. And I've got, yes, Saga and Tracker are with me in my my quiet room, as it were, outside of my office. So, I miss your parrot. I, you miss my parrot. <laughs> and this is our guest, um, Christine Messick. And I'm going to have you introduce yourself because you wear many hats and I think you're really cool. But I will start off by saying that today we're going to be talking about connecting spiritually with our dogs. And this sort of goes out of our normal wheelhouse because, you know, we like to talk about very heavy evidence-based stuff. And it's not normally something we think of when we think about evidence of spirituality. But I think uh, Christine here is going to give us some new things to think about. So, Christine, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello. Thanks, Molly. My name is, you can call me Chrissy, that's fine. <laughs> um, Chrissy Messick. <laughs> I'm very informal. Um, <laughs> let's see, I live in Lafayette, Colorado. And actually, my first uh, career was in sports medicine. So, I did that for my first 20 years um, in sports medicine. Um, I had my master's in kinesiology. And I spent my time basically helping athletes get healthy. Um, I worked at the University of Washington, and I worked in a couple Olympics, in the 2000 Olympics in Australia with women's soccer, and then the 2004 Olympics with women's basketball in Greece. And so um, having that background of science is, is really nice to have that. Um, and then started having family and couldn't work 90 hours a week and travel every weekend anymore. So um, we moved from Seattle to um, Colorado and found my way into working with animals about five years ago. Um, and that's actually part of my soul journey that I can talk about later. But I um, started working with animals, volunteering at the Humane Society in the Behavior Modification Department three years ago. Um, and then also started doing energy work about five years ago, too. So learning a lot more about that. <clears throat> um, and basically, when I started using essential oils, that kind of bridged me from the science to the energetic aspect of living. So that was my bridging the gap between science and energy was essential oils, because they both have that aspect. And so I started my um, own dog training business about two years ago, almost now. And I've been just working with dogs and clients and really combining the two of, you know, science and energy. And it's pretty amazing to see what happens with the human and the dog. And just so much happier both of them are. Um, so that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> well, welcome. I'm really excited to have you today. Thanks for having me. 
And Regina, what's uh, before we jump in? What's new with you? Um, gosh, what is new with me? I feel like, um, <laughs> well, this might be a little TMI for everyone, but I just feel like overcommitted, but really happy. I've overcommitted to so many things. <laughs> well, good. As as a recovering overachiever, although I may have news in a future podcast that proves that I'm I'm lying through my teeth right now. Um, oh, you'll have to, you'll, um, I need to know what that is. You'll have to tell me then oh, after this. I will. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll save it for the secret podcast. Uh, we'll do it for an episode <laughs> of that. But yeah, so as a as a extreme overachiever myself, I sympathize. Um, but I, I'm also always impressed with everything you drew, Regina. And again, I'm thrilled that you're joining us today. Yes, I'm happy. I actually think I'm not sure I've overcommitted. I think I just need to retool my um, time management. I, mean, I feel like that could be another podcast, like, you know, managing a busy life with when you have a dog. Yeah. A smart dog who gets bored easily. Yeah. In fact, if you if that doesn't somehow, well, no, that wouldn't come up before this one. But while you're listening to this podcast, if you think that's a great idea, let us know in the forums or on the Facebook, because yeah, we certainly want yeah. feedback for, for all the stuff we're going to work on. I think that's a good idea. Well, yes. I mean, I, my relationship with Chrissy is 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 not just on the spirit, animal spiritual level, but professionally, and this is something actually we talk about. So it's kind of ironic and mysterious. It's coming up now. All right. So I'm gonna can I, I'm, yes. Okay, so I'm gonna jump around a little. Perfect, because I was looking at the questions, going, I don't think that's the first one I want to ask. So go yeah, with it, I'm Regina. Around. Because this is a question that we have, you know, later on here, but let's talk about it. Great. So, Chris, you talked a lot about energy. What what does that mean to you? Because that's one of the things that people can think maybe is a little too woo and too out there when you talk about energy, because that can have so many, like, mm, new agey connotations that maybe aren't so good. And then, you know, so... It can be a sort of a loaded term and it means something different to a lot of people. What does that mean to you and how does it relate to dogs and our relationship with them? So I guess for energy for me, I'm not talking about, I think a lot of people get all this, you know, weird information about energy, like, but they're thinking it more emotionally, like anger or stress or fear, you know, or calmness, being calm with your dog. I'm not talking about that kind of energy. That's more an emotional kind of set that you're in. Um, when I'm talking about energy, I'm talking about um, like quantum physics kind of <laughs> energy, if that makes sense. So, um, and obviously I didn't study quantum physics, but that's, that's kind of the foundation of what I'm talking about, how this energetic process works of connecting with your animal. So if you look at energy on the quantum physics level, it's, you're looking at subatomic particles and atoms and when they're spinning at a certain rate they show up as physical matter but when they're spinning at a much faster rate it shows up as energy and scientists you know have researched it and scientists um like Rene Descartes and um I uh, can't remember his other, the other name but anyway um oh Newton Isaac Newton <laughs> but they they talked about um how it kind of became dualism where um, matter is something that you can measure, it's particles, like with matter you can, um, you know, Sir Isaac Newton's law of physics, it's classical physics, it's something that you can measure, like how long does it take to go from Seattle to New York on a plane, that's something that you can measure, 
Um, and so when they looked at the mind, that was something that they couldn't measure. It wasn't predictable. So they left that to the realm of religion. And so we end up with these two separate areas of, um, you know, physics, matter, and then mind, religion. And so the more that we're learning about the mind, they're finding out how actually it is related, related to physics. It's just something that you can't see. And so the research that they're doing with it is they're finding crazy things like, you know, when they're looking deeper and deeper into an atom, it actually disappears, but it, it doesn't disappear into space. There's actually energy into that. So what I'm talking about energy, I'm talking about transferring that energy that's in a different field of physics that we know um, to another person or there's a, an intention behind it or to another animal. And so that's the soul level that I'm talking about. That's the energetic level that I'm talking about. I really appreciate you sort of going into that because even, even listening to you try and explain it, I, trying to fit it into a soundbite for a podcast is hard. So I definitely appreciate how well you're trying to break that down for our audience. One of the things I wondered with that is why do you think that that word is so, I guess, loaded and so challenging for us to talk about? Um, why do you think, you know, I mean, even we've talked about the programs that you're working on and, and knowing that sometimes how we talk about these things can turn on or turn off an audience. So what, what do you think about that? So it's interesting because, well, one is fear. People don't understand a lot about that. And so when there's fear involved, then a lot of emotions come into play. But when you're talking, when you're connecting on a soul level with an animal and you're doing it the right way and you're remaining neutral, um, a lot of that, that emotion is taken, is taken out of the whole situation. And so what happens is, if you're not connecting on this soul energetic level, you're doing it in an emotional way. And so all of this emotion comes up and then there's anger and fear and stress and all that kind of stuff. And then people react to that, um, that with their own personal stories that they have. And so, um, I can't remember the question now, but just, <laughs> well, I think let's back up for just a second or, or maybe this isn't back up. It was just a natural segue. Right? What is your process? So let's say I come to you with my very perfect dog buttons. <laughs> Who I already love and I don't know buttons. It is. Um, I come to you with him and, and I, what, what are some of the most common reasons people come to you? First of all, what, what is it they want to know about their dog or they want help with? Um, so it's interesting because as a, as a dog trainer as well, so I, I don't think I said I have um, a certification in dog training from the, cert, um, the Certified Professional Dog Trainer Knowledge Assessed, so I have that as well. Um, and so when a person comes to me with questions about that, I always ask about the physical, mental, and emotional aspect of the, of the dog or the animal to, to, to make sure we are on the same page with that. Because there's not just the soul aspect of the animal, it's those other things too. So those other things need to be addressed, which is a whole nother talk. But um, if people, what they do usually come to me and ask, you know, is my dog happy? You know, um, what do they need? What can I help them with? And so uh, what I typically do from a dog trainer point of view is I satisfy all the physical, mental and emotional aspects of the dog. And then we connect on that other level, the, the soul level. 
Um, and so those are the questions that they typically ask. Like if you're asking, like, what can I do to make my dog happy? Um, is is um, sick? Like, is there something wrong with them? Um, are they ready to pass over? That kind of stuff. And I'll admit, like, some areas of connecting with an animal, um, I'm much better at than other things. Like, there's people who do animal communication, I guess you'd say, and they specialize in finding lost dogs. So it's like getting a master's degree, like it's another specialty of connecting. Um, so those are the kind of questions that, that people ask. And then the process, did you want me to? Yeah, please. Talk about the process. So absolutely. the process, what? No, I said absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the process for me, um, and just to make it really short and basic and quick, is for me, I have to find my space um, to do it. I have to create my space and I have to ground myself. I have to get myself in a neutral space so that the emotions of the whole thing are not part of what I'm doing. And so what I do is I run my energy like I'm supposed to, I ground myself. Um, I get a picture of the dog um, and I get their name and then I get the human's name. And I just set myself in this certain space. And then what I'll do is say the dog's name and I'll connect with them in a specific way that I do. Um, and I'll ask if it's okay if I talk with them. And they usually say yes. If they say no, then I will say, okay, thank you, goodbye. And then I will, because <laughs> in this space, you got to respect the animal too. Um, there are some dogs that say no, or they're kind of like, I'm not ready to do this kind of thing. So you got to respect um, the animal space too. So anyway, and then I ask the questions that the owner has. And what will happen is that the answers that come from the animal, they can come many different ways. Like some people, they will come in images. They will come in smells. They will come with a taste. They'll come with color. They'll come with a word. So it depends on how people get their information. Everybody's very different. Um, and it's like just doing this, practicing this all the time gets you very consistent and it's like building a muscle. The more you do this, the better and quicker you get and clearer you get the information. Um, and so I will get the information. Um, I will look at the human too, kind of see what their soul looks like and where they are at in their journey. I'll look at any agreements that the animal and the human have together and I will discuss that. That's kind of my favorite part is, is seeing what the agreements are between the human and the animal and see how they're helping each other. Um, and then I will just um, ask if the animal wants a healing and I will say goodbye and thank you. And that's pretty much it. I mean, that's a really quick <laughs> version of how I do it, but that's the process. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the process. It's really interesting. It's fun, yeah. And anybody can do it. I'm not this special person. Like, that's why I'm doing these workshops, is to teach people how to connect on this level. And I don't know if I should just start talking about this, but there are different ways of connecting. Mm -hmm. So first, the human needs to learn how to connect with themselves. Like, you need to connect with yourself as a human before you can understand how to connect with your animal. Mm -hmm. And once, and that's what I had to do. Um, that's what my dogs have taught me. 
but connecting with yourself, then you're like, okay, I'm, you know, you're open to that. Mm-hmm. And then for me, like people start out at this level of connecting with their animal or their dog on a physical, mental scale. So understanding like physically, what does your dog connecting with them, just sitting and being with them. What does your dog love to do? Do you like to go for walks together? Do you like to take naps? Do you like to sing, like New Guinea singing dogs? You know? <laughs> <laughs> do you like to sing, Journey? Is that how we yeah. can connect with you? <laughs> yeah, like, so being aware, like on a physical, mental scale, mm-hmm. that's a way of connecting too. But it's, I, I feel like you start there. And once you really understand that with your dog, then you can up level it and connect on the soul level. Interesting. Yeah. And so, um, and that's what I realized is, oh, I started out with one of my dogs connecting at that level. And then when I got to my third dog, you know, we rescued him and he was a hot mess. Um, (laughs) And I, it was so interesting. We had him for nine months. He was this English bulldog that came from a hoarding situation. And, um, you know, I have two kids and so our house is just crazy. And so I worked with him on a physical, mental level, you know, just training and dog training and stuff. And, but I got to the point where I actually connected with him, and I said, do you want to live with us? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and I said, why? He said, because your house is too chaotic. Like, I need to have quiet. And I was like, oh, man, you're right, but I don't want to. So, so I actually had two other animal communicators connect with him and they said the same thing and I'm like oh so I had to let go of my ego and um we found him a great place and he's doing so well and we still get to visit him but like that was with my third dog I finally was able to connect with him on that soul level even though I was helping him on the physical mental level um I was able to connect with him and see what he really needed um and with my first two dogs that I had two boxers um she zoe she helped me connect on that physical mental level and with myself and then my second dog bill who just passed away three weeks ago he was kind of both like he was a transition for the physical mental level but also on the soul level like i started talking with him at that level so that so to me like there's all these different levels of connecting which Mm -hmm. i find really interesting too and if you look well, I'm just going to keep talking, but... <laughs> no, that's what you're here for. Yep. We're not, you know, we can do our own podcast anytime. We care about you, but I, I do want to in- insert one thing, is it sounds to me, and I want to make sure I'm not wrong, that it's almost a Pandora's box, though, of careful what you wish for. You might not want to necessarily get the opinion that you're connecting with. You may not want to hear your pet say, I'm not happy here, or I don't like you, or, <laughs> I mean... Right. You know, animals are individuals and there might be a message in there that something your ego is not, like you said, your ego is not ready to hear, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. And so I had to work through that. Yeah. And, you know, but they, when they, when they connect with you, it's, the emotion is taken out of it. It's just Mm -hmm. like matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able to shut down, not shut down, but you need to get out of the ego Mm -hmm. and you need to connect on that soul level and say, okay, what is best for the animal? Mm-hmm. So that's, it took me a while to like, be like, okay. And um, so it ended up working out, but you know, I, going back to the physical and mental emotional aspect of the dog, if, if you, there's also um, 
the hierarchy of dog needs. You know, mm-hmm. we have the biological needs, the social needs, the um, uh, the the um, training needs. Mm-hmm. And then if you compare it with the chakras of the animal and the human, they are actually the same. And I was I was just like, this is so cool because if you look at I don't, chakras. So um, chakras are energy system in our body. And just like we have a musculoskeletal system, an endocrine system, we have an energy system in our body. And it, this energy comes from the exterior, comes into these chakras, which interface with our physiological body. Okay? And so these chakras, they're all along your spine. There are seven of them. And they actually correspond with the hierarchy of needs, which to me was so cool. I'm not going to get into the chakras, but that's the whole energy system that I was talking about. That's something we can put in, like, you know, the the show notes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so that that people know what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that you talk about here today, if you have additional resources that you think would be really helpful for the audience to they're going to hear you say chakras and they're going to go, Oh, that's really interesting. Well, what is that? Or, you know, Eastern ideas. I mean, cause this is, as far as I understand this, you know, falls in line with our understandings of yoga and acupuncture and acupressure and meridians and all sorts of other things. So it is super interesting though, that you found a correlation between, um, you know, our, yes, hierarchy of needs for animals and how these Eastern faith systems and how these energy systems, how we describe them, how they, they overlap. And I think that's super interesting. Yeah. And what's, it's so cool. And then if you look at the, um, <clears throat> yeah, so the way these come in and they come in through the pineal gland. So like all of our energetic and intuition kind of stuff. And I'll talk about intuition in a minute. Remind me. <laughs> I'll write it down. Yeah, but that comes in through the pineal gland. And um, and it's so interesting because the pineal gland releases chemicals and hormones and stuff that help with sleep and all that kind of stuff. But they actually don't know a whole lot about the pineal gland. But what's interesting, um, there's this guy named Bill Bennett. And 20 years ago, he had an experience where he heard a voice that told him to slow down as he was approaching an intersection. And he ignored it. And it came again louder, and he so he listened to it. He slowed down, and then a Big Mac truck went right from in front of him, and he would have been smushed and killed if he hadn't listened to that voice. And so he's like, "What was that?" So he spent 20 years researching, like traveling, talking to neuroscientists, psychologists, spiritual gurus, like all over the world, trying to find out what this is. And he's a filmmaker as well, and. Um, so after all this research, he basically came up with intuition, okay? And so all this information comes through our pineal gland. We have cognitive intuition, which is basically it comes from our body. Like it's something like if you're a mom or a parent or even, you know, of a children or a dog, um, this is the thing that says something's wrong with my child. You know, it comes mm-hmm. from your body. That's the cognitive. And on the hierarchy of needs, that's the, um, well, let's see, where is that? That's the um, just instinctual aspect. Uh, hold on, let me find it here. And then if you have your, um, right here. So if you look at your, um, yeah, that's instinctual on the, on the hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs at the lower levels. And then if you have your, that's sorry, that's the survival intuition, I'm sorry. 
So survival intuition is encompasses you know a parent's intuition for the health and well-being of their children. So this deals with the survival of the human species, and it comes from our body. Um, and second, if you look at cognitive intuition, that's based on your exper expert knowledge and past experience. So on the hierarchy of needs, this is the second tier, like the reason or logic. And this is basically a retrieval system of forgotten or substitute knowledge that comes through the mind. So this comes from our mind. So this is like where genius things come from in mathematics, science, art. This is where like genius happens. That's the um, eureka moment, the epiphany spot, sort of what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And this comes from um, our mind. And then you have the last one is the energetic or some people call it mystic intuition, mystical intuition, which is kind of a little woo-woo for me, but this is like a whole other ball game. It's, this is where it comes completely unexplained. Nothing, anything can't be rationalized by logic. This can, is connection through our higher realms and it comes from our soul. Um, so, and then if, if you look at the hierarchy of needs, it's the top, it's the intuition. So this for me was pretty cool. Um, and so I really like that, but so, uh, where was I going with this? Well, anyway, this information comes through our pineal gland <laughs> and the more that we increase this intuition and use it, the more active the pineal gland becomes and we're able to access that information easier and more. So I'm wondering if I'm going to talk about my dog, my favorite thing, if this is an example, what I would say is possibly is an example of intuition. I mean, I've said it is, but let's see if it really is. So I, prior to this podcast that, you know, I was telling you that my dog's been sick for so long and it started out as GI upset with a lot of abnormal breathing. They attributed the breathing to just GI pain. And I was insistent. There's something else going on. These are two separate issues insistent and then last month because he's still having poop issues fine but he's still having weird breathing finally a doctor says hey did you know your dog has chronic bronchitis <laughs> and i was like nope but i knew something else was going on yeah and i mean and i knew i mean i knew i just kept saying something is wrong with my dog i know my dog he does not have the same energy levels he gets tired sooner even when it was just like a little bit more tired than you know i was like something is wrong. I know something's not right with him. And every, you know, we saw, we've seen so many doctors and they were all like, Oh, we can't find anything, you know? And, but I knew something was wrong with him. Is yes. that intuition or is that just, yeah. I, I, like to me, that would be the survival intuition, you know, like a parent's intuition for the child, you know, to me, that would be the same thing. And that would be survival intuition. And is, and is that a good gateway to, I guess, start activating one's ability to go deeper with their pet if you're already connecting with them that way? Totally. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm trying to do is, like, people already do all this stuff. Like, you know that you do it, but you're like, I don't understand what's happening. You know, like, mm -hmm. so for me, like, I feel like this is a way to kind of explain this process and how it works and what's happening. You know, versus I just know this, but what is it? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then there was the other thing I was going to talk about. Um, oh, so the the really thing that's really cool is the research uh, research on this. We didn't talk about the definition of a soul either, and we can talk about that in a second. But yeah, that's yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and the research on it—that's all stuff because we know there are skeptics listening to this, and I will say I am 
so I'm actually a certified Kundalini yoga teacher, uh, but I still am. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fun fact. We're going to put a quiz in the show notes. What is it we don't know about Jean- Regina? We're going to learn in this podcast because that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I uh, got my certification in early 2001. Um, yeah. Uh, but I have not. And then I taught privately for a really long time, but I have not taught in a really long time. But um, so even with all of that, there's a, we'll just have, we'll have to talk about some other stuff um, off the podcast, Molly. Um, but sure. Anyway, but I'm still a heavy skeptic. So even for me, you know, when Molly told me about the podcast, I was like, well, I want to be involved, but then I'm still also like, eh, I don't know. I'm still, I, even though I fully believe in all this stuff, I still am super skeptical so i'm sure a lot of people listening are skeptical so let's definitely talk about the research yeah i mean and i'll just throw in for myself too you know besides trying to run a a site that tries to be as evidence-based as possible where there is evidence to compare and contrast i do have to insert just the thought that i get it too I'm a spiritual person. I have my own spiritual practices. I have my own faith system that I don't talk about. It's very private for me, but I get the little tingles too. There, there are words that I'm, it's funny. I I'm checking my biases right here at this door. Cause when I hear Chrissy talk, I feel a little, Ooh, do I feel okay hearing that word and not putting my bias on it? Or can I listen and say, wow, but Chrissy's actually presenting some things and some sides to this that I didn't know existed and I didn't realize there were arguments that I can honestly, you know, sink my teeth into. So for those of you who've stuck it out this far and are really are interested in hearing about this, I think we're going to get some really cool answers. So go for it, Chrissy. <laughs> yeah, and so part the pineal gland is part of it. Um, like a neuroscientist, Dr. Jeffrey Fannin, and he's so funny when he talks about the pineal gland, he said, we don't know all that we really would like to know about it we just know it exists and that's where the intuition is um it's part of the mechanism of how we receive and interpret information so when i hear neuroscientists and psychologists talking about this stuff like that is a little bit validating for me um but so there's a place called the institute of noetic sciences and um that noetic noetic means inner wisdom direct knowing intuition that kind of thing and it was founded by uh, Dr. Mitchell, who's an Apollo 14 astronaut, an engineer, and astrophysicist. And what they are doing at this institute is they're bridging the gap between scientific and spiritual interpretations of reality through research. And so Dr. Dean Radin is the chief scientist, and he has his MS in electrical engineering and a PhD in psychology. And what they have found is they can measure and evidence certain aspects of survival and cognitive intuition. And they wow. can do it... Uh, yeah, and they can evidence an intuitive hit, and they do it through brain mapping. Um, so that, to me, was really cool when I, you know, found that information. That's amazing. Uh, That's really cool to I know just, that there's things. I just, I just looked up the website, and I love that they abbreviate uh, the name to IONS. That's pretty great. Oh, I know. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> so to me, that is really cool. And I'm not, like, right now, there's really not... We're just getting started with the research. I mean, research is always 100 years behind. Yeah. Stuff that we're theorizing. But and to kind of explain this, like to me, starting out and understanding quantum physics is going to be how we're going to explain this um, energy, you know, connection. That's going to be how we're going to be able to explain this. But if you look at the Higgs boson particle, this um, theoretical physicist, Peter Higgs, 
he theorized that there was this particle that existed mm -hmm. in 1984. And not until 2012 did they finally um, confirm mm -hmm. that it was a thing, um, you know, at the, at CERN. With, mm -hmm. they, it was a, I don't know how many years that is, but it's a lot. Oh, and yeah. It took that long because they didn't have the proper tools. They didn't have the right equipment. Um, no, I definitely think, I think that's why most of us, even... Even though, you know, those of us that are, you know, we love our evidence-based science, you know, it's funny, I have this conversation with my husband a lot, because he's, he's a agno-atheistic, skeptical person, he's an engineer, and he'll have religious experiences, though, and freak out, because he can't explain them, and he doesn't like that, and it's, it's, it, you know, we know there's something more to the world we can't explain because we wouldn't hold on to religion we wouldn't hold on to faith and we do we have too many experiences in our lives that are not explainable like regina just said she knew something else was wrong with buttons and there it was i've had times where i've gone you know there's something wrong or just known things that were unknowable um and recorded them i've tr i've i've challenged myself i'm like that thing you're thinking right now that's a load of crock so i'll write it down and i'll put it in an envelope <laughs> And I put it in my glove compartment and then I see if I go, holy, you know, I'll get that like weird deja vu feeling yeah. and I'll go back into that envelope and I'll be like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I would love someday for somebody to explain what those experiences are. And that's why it's humbling to remember that we can't explain everything on earth. And yeah. I think yeah. the best example too is when Molly, when you and I were talking of, you know, prepping for this podcast yeah. and I said, and I said, you know, we don't even know why we love each other. We it's true. can't explain it. I can't explain. Like, I love you, Molly. You're, <laughs> I consider you a good friend. I can't yep. explain why. It is not just because we have so much in common. There are a lot of people I have stuff in common with that I don't like. And we've never met in person. And we've never met in person. <laughs> if something happened to you, I would be devastated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I don't know why that is, why? I can't mm -hmm. explain that where is there this connection that with this person I've never met, just like we can't explain why we love our dogs. Exactly. Why? We know there's chemicals involved, but it's funny because when, to bring up a little bit of evidence, Chrissy, when you brought up the pineal gland, the pineal gland is also the gland that is involved with serotonin and oxytocin. And oxytocin is the love hormone that we're sort of talking about. Although Regina and I, when we talk to each other, we may get some, but we don't get enough because we don't get that much because we're not in close proximity. So the fact that if we receive oxytocin at distance, one is, is different than how we understand it. But two with our pets, yes, there's oxytocin, but again, we're talking about, there may be a chemical that in, is associated with the energy we're talking about that influences the pineal gland. So there there's, we have bits, we have little bits of, of what we're trying to understand, but just so much in the way. So that's what I, I do. I get really excited when you get us talking about this. Cause I'm like, Ooh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I loved your yeah. example, Regina. That was great. Yeah, that is good. And, um, and we can, and so, yeah, there's so many things that you're saying that I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> that and that and that and that. I know, so, but I'm trying to stay pleasant here. So <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but there's also other, like the Journal of Scientific Exploration. There's these like, scientists all around the world who are who are trying to research paranormal activity, and they're doing it in you know like with a double-blind studies, all the really proper ways to do research. And what they keep finding is that 
they just don't have the proper instruments to measure what they're trying to look for. <laughs> and same with, um, there's a, a researcher here at CU, um, and then there's a guy who does telekinesis. They're working together to, to try and study and research telekinesis as they're using the Z-scores and the RNG and all that kind of stuff. But what they have found too is they don't have the proper instruments yet as well. And I mean, so, like, yeah, and so mm -hmm. right now it's like the proof of science is like, I think we're starting out, but like it's a long way before we can prove anything with this. And like, even if you look at, I don't know, heliocentrism, like in the 1600s was it Copernicus who said, you know, the earth rotates around the sun and blah, blah, blah. And nobody believed him. And it wasn't a hundred years later until Galileo proved it with a telescope. You know, mm -hmm. they finally had the proper instrument to prove it. And, you know, and Copernicus was thrown in prison because everybody thought he was crazy. So, well, uh, and, now, and now we're in 2019 and we still have people who believe the earth is flat. So <laughs> let's just say that even with tremendous amounts of evidence, not everybody's going to want to believe you anyway. I know. And so it's just like, for me, I'm going to keep my feet grounded in science, but I'm going to still keep doing what I know um, is true for me and keep exploring and researching and doing what works for me with validation and like almost case study, you know, research. Um, and, but I'm still going to explore, like, I'm not going to let the fear of the unknown scare me into becoming who I really am or, you know, who my dog really, their full potential is like, there's so much, you know, and that's why the soul connecting is so important because it's just a whole nother level of growth mm -hmm. and it's just intangible, you know, it's just a whole nother level of growth. You know, what's your full potential and what's your dog's full potential? Um, so we talk more about the soul. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. Tell us more about what that is and how, and how it relates to dogs. So this is what I'm interested in. Is there a difference between a canine soul and a human soul? Or are they the same? Yeah. And so this was an interesting question because I asked people, what's the definition of soul? And everybody has their own definition. Um, and so what I did was I looked at a lot of people's different ways to define soul. And so if you just Google it, um, <laughs> research, right? Um, but it's like the spiritual or immaterial part of a excuse me, human being or animal, um, or it's the emotional or intellectual in energy or intensity um, that's revealed in work of art or artistic performance. Mm -hmm. um, but like if you look at the psychological uh, definition, soul is like inner being, the spirit, the higher self, who you are when you strip away your physical being. It works toward higher consciousness. It's more concerned with being and awareness. Um, the ego more thrives on attachment to tangible goods, uh, works to acquire, is judgmental and labels things as good or bad, identifies with the body and mind, and it's preoccupied with doing and thinking. So the interesting part, though, is the soul and ego will always coexist. We need them both um, for you to experience yourself as a body, mind, and spirit. So, and you can control who's in the driver's seat. You know, when the ego's in the driver's seat, you experience yourself as being in your body and your mind. When the soul's in the driver's seat, you can experience this, yourself as being and awareness. Hmm. Um, and then a lot of spiritual people, um, uh, uh, I don't know what I was going to say with that, but um, <laughs> there's another 
there's another person, Anthony William, who discusses the soul, the heart, and the spirit as three separate entities that always kind of intermix with each other. Um, but he thinks the soul is the consciousness of a person or the ghost in the machine. And it resides in your brain where it stores your memories and experience and your hope and your faith. And this kind of keeps you going on the right path. So your soul is always with you and it carries you from this mortal realm to the next, whatever you're doing <clears throat> next. And also the soul, like to believe you have a soul, you don't have to be religious. Like having a soul is separate from, from church and religion. To fill your soul, you might, you know, go to church and believe in a religion, but they're very two separate things. And so you can believe in whatever you want, but you know, it doesn't have to be church or religion related. Um, so the heart, this is where your love, compassion, and joy reside. Having a healthy soul doesn't mean necessarily you're a whole person. You can have like a fractured soul, is what they call it, um, and a broken, injured heart. But what happens is when you, when you have a fractured soul, your heart makes up for that until your soul is healed. Um, and so great losses can lead to deeper understanding. And what happens, well, I'll go into that in a second. The spirit, this refers to someone's will and strength, like your physical strength. So your spirit is not your soul. Mm -hmm. It's your spirit that enables you to climb, run, and fight. So even if your soul's been battered and your heart is, you know, broken, your spirit can keep you physically going while you look for opportunities to heal. So if your soul is fractured, by trauma or just, you know, really things that are, you know, life's betrayals, those kind of things. That's how your soul is fractured. So anyone who is looking for ways to heal their soul, they will start looking for therapy. They'll be doing spiritual stuff. They'll go to meditation retreats. This is how you heal your soul. Um, and so while you're healing your soul, your heart and your spirit kind of take over that until your soul is healed. And everybody's in different soul states. So when you so when you account so let's bring this back to, to dogs. So oh, oh yeah. When yeah. you encounter a dog that has a fractured soul, how what's that dog's behavior like? Okay. So or does was, it vary? Because dogs are individuals. Yeah, so that was another question too. Do dogs have souls? Yeah. And, uh, everybody I talk to is like, well of course they do. And I believe it too. But um so, it's, and it's interesting. So I looked at that and I tried to like look for research, you know, do dogs have souls? And so something kept coming up as spiritual psychologists. Um, here, let me see if I can find, hold on, let me find that. Because I didn't memorize that. Oh yeah, so. So there's numerous studies in spiritual psychology, um, which is a whole other talk in itself, but it shows that dogs do indeed have souls. And once a dog bonds to a human, its soul attaches to the human soul. And then upon death goes where the human soul goes. And so I was like, how do they do studies in spiritual psychology? And spiritual psychology is a blend of spirituality and science. Um, it uses elements of both traditional psychology and spirituality in order to help individuals feel better more content with their lives so I just you know had a quick research of that I thought that was kind of interesting too um, but to me like if a dog has a fractured soul 
yeah, and that's another question. How does um, how does it correspond to the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of a human or a dog when they have a fractured soul? Um, where they find that? So, yeah, a question I had my myself was what. Uh, what does the health of the soul affect the other levels or how does it so like the physical mental and emotional aspect so what does that look like so if you have a fractured soul physically what does that look like so you might have a loss of energy you might be tired all the time so with a dog what does that look like for them they might want not they might not want to move at all like mm -hmm. they just lay in their bed and their tail is tucked and they're um um, their ears are flat and they just are shaking and they're curled up in a ball. So that might be an example of what it looks like physically for a dog with a fractured soul. Mentally, Bless you. if I... Hello? Sorry, that was my dog sneezing. Oh, I thought that was you. <laughs> no, that was Journey waking up for just long enough to sneeze and go back to business. <laughs> so funny. And then another example would be mentally. Like when a dog or a human has a fractured soul, what is it like mentally? Well, they might be depressed or sad. Um, and um, just so everyone knows who's listening, like there have been studies, dogs can get depressed. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I just want to make sure people know that, that that's not something that she's just saying like. <laughs> right, it's not, yeah. yeah. Canines can get depressed. Oh yeah, no, actually it's probably good you mentioned that. I mean, and we do, we have articles about you know, behavioral medicine and things like that. And this is the other half of it is that maybe it's, maybe it's behavioral and maybe it's chemical and maybe it's something else. You know, we talk about how sometimes medications and behavioral things don't work. Well, maybe this is why we don't have a good answer, but maybe. Yeah. And, and it's just learning how to fill the soul, which is remind me to go over that too. But, um... <laughs> all the things. Right. Mr. Fresh. Mr. Fresh. And I, I'm actually going through this right now because my dog just passed away. So, like, I am dealing with this exact thing right now. And then, so emotionally, what does that look like? Um, what does that correspond to emotionally? Well, like, for me, I feel vulnerable. You know, I don't want to get another dog right now. I'm not ready for that. And another a dog who has a fractured soul, they might not be ready to, like, trust an adult. They might not be ready to play with a dog. I mean, that kind of thing. And coming from, you know, dog training science aspect of it, yeah, like when I say sad or depressed, that is a label, but it also looks like something. What are their behaviors showing? So anyway, um, so that's kind of what it looks like. Does that answer your question? You know, this is just so interesting because it makes me think about something that I was actually having a debate with somebody online about, <laughs> you know, the... Um, Molly, you and I talked about this. The it's all in how they are raised, sort of mm -hmm. thing, and, or and and we know that's not true because there are dogs who come from cruelty cases who make great pets, and then mm -hmm. there are dogs who come from cruelty cases who need a special home, mm -hmm. or dogs who are maybe really shy, or mm -hmm. dogs from cruelty cases who absolutely can't be anybody's pet. Um, and it's, we're so-called wild dogs who are not so wild. <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, it's it it just makes me think about that that. There's so much that we don't know about, and I deal with this in, in my, my regular job because we do say dogs are individuals and they are a complex makeup of their genetics and of their environment, but the environment is so complicated, just like we are a makeup of our genetics and our experiences. We There's so much we can't yet 
qualify about why someone human or canine behaves the way they do or responds. There's so much that we don't know mm-hmm. that we can't put an answer to. And yeah, maybe the answer is, is here and we'll eventually be able to, you know, scientifically qualify it. But mm-hmm. yeah. And it's all about too, like if a dog, you know, you're trying all these things like behaviorally wise and there's just something and it's, you're like, you know, maybe they just need a space to be able to heal themselves. You know, they need that. That's what my, my dog, our English bulldog that we rehomed, he just needed a space to be able to heal himself. Like I couldn't give him that space. Um, and he's doing so much better. Like he's anyway, but yeah, I agree. Um, there's also a holding space for an animal to let them work through their stuff. Same with the human, same thing. That's what I did with my dog. Actually, that's a, a future blog that I'm going to write. I, it was Leave Your Dog Alone. That was that was how I pitched it to Molly. Mm-hmm. Because I left him alone. Even when I thought he hated me and didn't quite understand what was going on, I knew, like, because he would hide under a table, and he just wanted to have space. He wasn't mm-hmm. afraid. He just was like, I, I don't know you. I'm going to chill out under this space. And I let him. I would leave him alone in a room. I mean, I was right in the next room, so I wasn't going to get into anything. But I knew he needed space, so I gave it to him. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. part of connecting with him and understanding that and letting go of your ego. You know, like, oh, he hates me, or I need to fix him, or, you know, mm-hmm. just let him have that mm-hmm. space. Yeah. And I always you know, tell people, just leave them alone. <laughs> I mean, it's the same protocol with my foster dogs. It's, they come into my home and they basically get a quiet space for the first 48 hours. I will come in and feed them. I will give them enrichment, but I'm not putting any social pressure on them. I'm not going to ask them who they are because I don't even know if they know who they are right now. And they need a chance to just say, okay, I'm alive and I'm in this space and I have my food and water and shelter and, and, and enrichment covered now I can open myself up to meeting humans and meeting other dogs and, and things like that, because it's not fair. It's not fair to take any living, breathing feeling. Cause we are all on the same page. We know they're feeling even all evidence, you know, evidence-based science says they're feeling. There's a reason that governments are starting to protect the fact that many of these animals are quote unquote sentient and yeah, it's letting them say, okay, this is me. It's nice to meet you, <laughs> you know, that sort of yeah. engagement, that sort of reaction. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and um, yeah, so what does it look like connecting that? Well, for the human, you know, if you're connected with yourself, you know what fills you up. Walks mm-hmm. in nature, naps, yoga, meditation, playing with your dog, you know, socializing with friends, art, singing, church, whatever fills you up and being present in that moment. And for your dog, whatever fills them up, and that's the human's responsibility to know what fills your dog up. So if you're not connected with yourself, how are you going to even understand how to fill your dog up or help your dog figure out how to fill themselves up? You know, so for them, it's it's like doing a lot of different things with them and seeing what lights them up. You know, it could be a sport like fly ball or agility or, you know, naps or playing with their doggy friends. We like naps. Yeah. Yeah. Morning buttons needed me to go upstairs and work in my bed so he could have a nap with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. So the soul (laughs) always knows what to do to heal itself. The challenge is to silence the mind. Mm. Uh, So it's like getting out of your mind, getting out of your monkey mind 
and getting into your body and just listening to your body. Which is like the 2019 lesson, because isn't that what we say that all Gen X, millennial, everybody's is suffering from is the fact that our minds are going 100 miles an hour. And we just admitted before this podcast started that we're overcommitted. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we, you know, it's true. It's the to, to connect with our dogs and do the best by them. We have to actually take care of ourselves and slow down and be present and like you said, turn off the monkey mind and say, all right, I'm here. What, what do you have to tell me? Yeah. Yeah. And so I made that this quote myself two years ago, <laughs> but it's soul connecting to animals through energy transfer on any level is like learning a foreign language and translating it for yourself and others. So like, if you were to go to a foreign country, you would have to immerse yourself in the language and its nuances to really be productive and thrive in that country. So if we were, are wanting to connect with nature and animals, we have to understand their language and they have many different kinds of language and connecting on the soul level is they're experts at that. And we need to, we need to learn from them on how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to coexist and understand them better, we need to have to learn how to talk their language. Amen. <laughs> I feel like I'm yelling at you. <laughs> no, you're not. Like, I'm taking it in just being like, yeah. Like, no, I think that's excellent. Now I'm going to cheat and look at my questions, too, because I've been scribbling down so many notes because you've given me so many things to think about. And now I'm like, <laughs> wait, like, that was deep. And now, I, now, now I'm like, what else do I want to know? <laughs> I think it I mean, this, this conversation gives me so much food for thought and I, and I think about my relationship with buttons and I, and I will say that I do think we are really in tune. Our relationship is very strange. I think, um, and I, I think if I get another dog, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the way that buttons and I built our relationship was just, I don't know how common it, it common it is for a dog and a person to be as weirdly linked as we are. <laughs> Well, I think it's more common. People just don't talk about it. Like, they don't know how to explain it or talk about it. And, you know, it's... Some people... Uh, there's so many ways people look at animals. And for me, I look at them as as a being just like a human. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't treat them like a human because they're not human. They have different needs. But, you like, I, like, I respect them as a being. You know, like, I respect a spider you know, and what they offer, what their potential is, or, and I, you know, I look at them that way. And so some people don't look at them that way. And so there's a fear of judgment of, you know. Well, so. but, you know, yeah, I think maybe you really, you know, hit the nail on the head when you said, like, they're, they're afraid to speak up about it, because, like I was saying, like, I, I knew there was something else wrong with buttons. And, you know, because, you know, he's my, he's my guide dog, right? So there are lots of dog body language things that I can't see in him because they're subtle, but I know I've never, you know, but I know when something's not right. right. How, how can I know that? I can't actually see it, but there is, but we are connected in a way that I know. And I bet a lot of people are like that with their dogs. They're just afraid to speak up with it because there is such a stigma because people are like, Oh, that's too woo, you know, or, or whatever. So they're afraid to advocate for their dogs or afraid to just really talk about how deep their relationship is and how connected they are. Right? You make a great point, Regina. I mean, 
I, I I'm privileged and take for granted the fact that I can see differently than you can. And I can try and write off what I experience as, Oh, I was probably perceiving the ear flick or the eye glance or where his tail is positioned. And I can try and write off what I might be, you know, more instinctively feeling you can't, you, you know, things that maybe you can't write off as, Oh yeah, I saw that ear flick or that tail tuck or, or, you know, that side glance, you can't do that, which I think, you know, I think that takes the woo out. It's like, wow, Regina's definitely. Yeah, there was an instance yeah. where we, it was uh, Thanksgiving and we had some people over and uh, my friend's daughter, I just, she was, everybody is obsessed with buttons when they come over to my house, as most people are with any job. I'm obsessed right? with buttons on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and buttons is the kind of dog that he will like get up and walk away. If he's done with you. He's, he's out of there. Um, and I, I was in the kitchen, I was milling about and all of a sudden I just had this feeling like turn around and I turned around and my friend's daughter was laying on top of buttons. So, uh -oh. and, I, and I couldn't see the whale eye, but you know, I knew it was there. Oh, God. I do need to point out though that in you telling the story, both Chrissy and I gave whale eye. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like get off my and I, I mean I love this girl I feel mm -hmm. like so there no and she you know she she has two dogs at home she would do this with them but my dog like I said earlier he's not he's he's a roommate he's not a hugger he's not that's mm -hmm. not who he is and but I knew so I personally feel like he told me you know and that's why I turned around. Mm -hmm. I really wouldn't say that to people because people would think I'm a wacko. No, it's, you know, to me, it's almost like I can feel the intuitional little clearing of the throat. The <clears throat> mom. Yeah, exactly. And he and he's a quiet boy, right? So yeah. he, but he also wasn't necessarily in a position to get up. I mean, I also feel like maybe he would have struggled, and <laughs> I, I'm never worried he would have bitten her. She was like 12. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't. I wasn't worried about that, but still, like, I do feel like he was. Somehow there was some connection, some signal, and he was like, can you please get this kid away from me? Yeah. yeah. That's and awesome. That's interesting. Like, so um, just there's all different kinds of intuition than the ones we, you know, we talked about survival, um, cognitive, and energetic. But there's also a bunch of different kinds. Um, Dr. Francesca McCartney, um, she's the founder and head of the Academy, Academy of Intuition Medicine. She's a, one of the world's foremost educators on intuition. And she says that there are many more intuitive senses than the five senses that we know. And so some of them, I'll just go over a couple, but I, I know everyone has experienced some of these. Um, and you know, there's the clairvoyance ones. So there's the seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, knowing, and tasting. There's those six clairvoyant ones, but then there's also an inner voice, telepathy, Lucid dreams, um, out-of-body experience, experiences, touch healing, like T-touch, visions, telekinesis, and deja vu. And I know, like, mm. everyone's had deja vu. Oh, yeah. And so those are all just, those aren't even all of them either. I mean, there's wow. more. And so those are all intuitive things that she talks about, too. So um, it's kind of cool. No, I think that's super cool. Um I know you're fussing, my my boy, because nobody actually listening can see what's going on. But my boy is in, is sort of half between me and the camera, and and is his his Aww. whiny licky face. But I was gonna say one interesting thing, and I I wonder 
I, I actually, this kind of goes out to our audience and their opinion. Part of the reason I, I wanted to talk to you today, Chrissy, and, and have this conversation is because I feel like people who have relationships with primitive dogs have very, I'm going to use the term quiet relationships with our dogs. They're very quiet, independent, very deep dogs. And I feel like they give, they're, they're like a baby gateway to, I think a little bit of what you're talking about. They sort of say, I feel like they say that they're willing to talk to us that way. If we would just be quiet. (laughs) And that's what's sort of neat about them is I'm listening to you this whole time. And he's just, you know, lying here with me and it's, it's that quiet that these dogs have about them that, you know, I think a lot of people don't like because they're independent and they're aloof and they're disengaged some of the time. But when that you're... is my favorite thing about my boy. Exactly. My favorite thing is that we can be quiet together. Yes. And we, I do feel like we, when we are together in a room, we even when we're not together in a room, even when he is floors below, I feel like we are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. to me with... The primitive dogs, um, like they just have this wise old soul. And yes, they do. Like, <laughs> like they connect on that level so easily. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. Like I have a couple clients that I've connected with their dogs for them. And she asked me, what does he want? And so I shared with her. And when I connected with him right away, he was like, where have you been? I've been waiting for you. <laughs> Like, he has this cup of coffee, and he's, like, sitting there waiting. Like, where have you been? Finally. And I asked, well, what do you need from so-and-so? And he said, I've been waiting for her to learn how to connect with me on that level. This is what she needs to connect with me, and that's where I'm most comfortable with. And so she's doing that. And, uh, you know, instead of, like, doing more agility or whatever, she started connecting with him that way, and he's – they do nature walks and he is good. Like he is really happy. And, um, uh, you know, and then another dog is just funny. Like you have to know the owner and the dog, but he's, she's like, what does, what does he need for me? And so I said, well, he wants you to slow the F down. (laughs) And literally like those words and it matches her personality. Like she can hear language and it was just so funny that's awesome yeah and so some dogs and i um i haven't connected a lot with primitive dogs but i can just tell that that's their how they like to communicate is on that level well once this broadcast you might be talking to a lot more (laughs) (laughs) careful what you wish for right can i do an exercise like we could do a basic soul exercise to show you like anybody can do this. Sure. You know, to, to see what it's like. Yeah, I mean we're we're up for it. Uh, I hope our audience is too here. You know, this is that would be great. Okay, so it'll take like five minutes. Okay. So the exercise is called play with your pup. Okay, so what I want you to do is um, if you're sitting in a chair, sit in a chair and I want you to close your eyes, okay? Take two deep belly breaths. Okay, feel your feet on the ground and your body in the chair. Now, imagine that you are with your dog, okay? What is that one favorite special thing that only you and your dog like to do together? Now, imagine that you guys are doing that. Really pay attention to the joy you see and feel in you and your dog's body. 
Now, give your pup a kiss or whatever special gesture you like to give when you guys say goodbye. Now, I want you to come back into your body and open your eyes. And give yourself a good doggy shake, doggy body shake. <laughs> so just that right there is like a basic soul exercise. It's a beautiful okay. meditation, too. That was nice. Yeah. yeah, and so doing soul connecting is basically like meditating. Mm -hmm. And, like, I give people specific ways to do it, but you can make it your own way. And you just practice, practice, practice. And it's really, it takes no effort. It just happens, and it just comes. And you're not forcing anything. But it, the important part is staying neutral. So. Well, that was great. Thank you so much for being so generous with what you know and sharing that with us. And, and I, you know, I hope other people enjoyed it. I, I plan on, you know, when this is all done, going back and listening to that multiple times. That was nice. Yeah, it's kind of that fun. was nice. I did just, it just, it still like made me smile think, thinking mm -hmm. about, and I also almost crying, thinking about like, <laughs> yeah, those moments with my dog. That's a good thing to do whenever I am feeling really depressed or even really scattered. I mean, mm -hmm. it's going to feel good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a way to ground. Yeah. It's nice, too. I mean, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be away from my dogs for almost five days, and that's going to be nice to be with them when I'm not, like to go back to that place. And as I affectionately called my makeout session with my dog. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I like that. I with your dog. Yes, Journey and I have, he has this, he's this little spot on the side of his face where it's like directly below his eye where his face concaves. And for some reason, that's just our makeout spot that he likes pressing that against my lips. And so that's where I went during that is that we have our little makeout where he wants it, pushes it right against my lips and I go, kiss, 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 in there. I sound like such a dork explaining this, but... <laughs> That's our makeout session. And there are mornings he will come up and stuff his face right in there and just be like, I demand a makeout session. Aww, that's so I love it. Yes. Yeah. And like, so the whole purpose of this is to be real and raw mm -hmm. and just be true. Like, be real who you are and, you know, just be a real person and connecting. And, you know, so that's why I do expect crying and laughing and smiling. <laughs> Because if you're doing this the right way, you're being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Well, that was Which fantastic. Which I think is how we all are with our dogs, right? That's yeah. Our, they make us vulnerable. We, they're sometimes the only beings that we're vulnerable with. No, it's a great point. And I think, I think if we're not, we're cheapening the relationship that they're offering to us. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's definitely some importance there. Yeah, and I didn't talk about, so the hierarchy of dog needs, there's a level that's missing. So there's hmm. a soul level. Like, there's a there's a point where our dogs become our teachers. Mm -hmm. you know, they reach their higher purpose. They reach their full potential. You know, they become our teachers, companions, and friends. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there needs to be another hierarchy added to this level for the dog hierarchy. Hmm. That's a really interesting idea. And I'm going to share with me if you have a preference, but I'll share the uh, hierarchy of dog needs in our show notes so people can look at it and know what we're talking about. The one that I was looking at was from Linda Michaels. Yeah, I figured it was Linda Michaels, which is a fantastic one. So, yeah, good. We're on the same page. I'll share that in the show notes. Um, connected, Molly. What was that? <laughs> connected, Molly. <laughs> yep. 100%. Um you know, you, you've told us a lot about the connection with primitive dogs, but knowing, 
what do you think the value is in having a community like we have here at Couch Wolves, having people connect and better understand their dogs and want to want to have the best life possible? What does that mean to you? Well, that means to me is that that you as a human are reaching your higher potential of who you are and that you with your dog are, are helping is helping your dog reaching their higher potential and that you are fulfilling each other's purpose and you're learning from each other. That's great. Yeah. That's wonderful. That, that really sounds like Molly. That's, that was your goal. Yeah. Wasn't it? I mean, that, that was what you, that was kind of how you first described it to me. Yep. Oh, cool. Bingo. We're yeah. definitely on the same wavelength now. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's awesome. Well, so anything you want to add, Chrissy? This has been quite the transformative podcast. No, I think I vomited all over you. Like, <laughs> No. I got to get all this in. Oh, you got, you, you did, man. You've got so many great things that you've told us and taught us. And again, in such a respectful manner, I definitely think you've you've made this a safe place to talk about this. And for those of you who have hung on this long and listened to the whole thing, well, props, because look at all the awesome things you got to experience by sticking around. And, you you know, I think we get to realize that it, it is OK to talk about things we don't have all the answers to. Yeah. And that especially in our own dogs, part of the reason primitive dogs are so interesting is because we don't have all the answers. I, you know, I, this will be coming out, but you know, just the definitions of these things may be in flux. I'll leave that sweet little thing out there. Uh, see, Molly, we are, cause I was thinking the same thing. I know exactly what you're thinking. Exactly. <laughs> we'll have more on this in the future. Uh-huh. I know exactly what you're thinking. Yeah. So thank you again, Chrissy. You've been an amazing guest and you know, we look forward to maybe having you around again and hearing some more awesome stuff. Yeah. And it was nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Yes, thank you so much.